dragon. And that dragon had a rider. And that rider's name was Cowboy Ninja. Welcome to You Better Believe It. Today we are talking about Jin Rowe, the Wolf Brigade. Good Lord, Nate Regolia, what is going on in the Wolf Brigade? Um, I what's going on is this is like my favorite movie we watched. Yeah, right. Um, I'm I'm <laughs> glad that you responded that way because I was concerned that you'd be like, well, "That's really slow." No, it's uh, I mean, without getting, I mean, we don't want to bury the lead, but like the cover of the movie does not suggest. That the movie is this kind of like pensive meditation on PTSD and the dehumanization of the police. Yeah, and and <laughs> it's like it's it's a taut '60s political intrigue thriller. Yeah, it's so, a um, that's what it is. Yeah, like I mean, it feels like it feels like the best Hitchcock or the best like uh, early James Bond movie. Yeah, it's like a, I talk about on the other show sometimes. It's a they don't, movies they don't make anymore, the adult thriller starring adults, you know what I mean? Like the Patriot Games, Fugitive type, well, I mean, I guess they're all Harrison Ford movies. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spies and those kind of things, you know, like, we don't get those movies very often, and for it to be animated on top of it is oh, really yeah. unusual. Well, and they, there's, so there's a live-action remake of this that came out last year. Yeah. That was from South Korea, I think? Yeah, I believe so. Um, which I, I, I'm kind of interested to see i i feel like they could only fuck it up from what the anime does because well i gotta send you a trailer there's a trailer that the same director and this is the same guy that made ghost in the shell and a few other things okay um that he made a live action like because this is a whole like media franchise apparently it's not just this one movie it's like four uh, different manga series and all this other shit but it's oh, just wow. like really kind of lo-fi indie weird movie that he directed called the red spectacles i'll send you the trailer Oh, cool! Yeah, it is please do. Banana. Yeah, I mean this. Uh, I don't know where. Uh, yeah, this this movie was great. I mean, I I I loved every second of it. It has double and triple crosses. It has a, a solid uh, end reveal. It has um, truly just heartbreaking, heartbreaking stuff. It has a version of uh, and the whole kind of like the the whole narrative's kind of wound around. And it, I mean, you wouldn't get it from the title right away, but around the the story of Red Riding Hood, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a version that they narrate in it that I'm not wholly familiar with. I don't know if it's the original German version or it's been kind of changed. I think it is the original German because the uh, you know those those uh, the like German editions of all the classic fairy tales are much more brutal and violent. Although the uh, the part where they they say that she like was. Raised wearing metal Iron clothes. Yeah, that was the Iron part clothes, that fucked me yeah. up. Yeah, I was I was confused about that too, um, but I kind of felt like that was like shackles, maybe. Like yeah. she she grew up chained to a place to keep her safe, and then when she ventured out, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I and and honestly, when when it first when that uh, Little Red Riding Hood thing first came into the narrative, I was kind of like, oh, I'm not gonna like this because I thought like this was gonna put too fine a point on what was going on, and I kind of already. I was way into it. I mean, this movie opens on like a voiceover that basically says post post dropping of bombs in World War Two. Japan uh, falls into a chaos because they don't have a standing military. And so there becomes this battle between uh, it was the public uh, security organization and the Capitol Police organization. Right. And how a federal police versus a local police. Yeah. And and how both like basically the the uh, the federal police have this secret special ops group called Kerberos that is like the hyper militarized uh, specialty uh, force and and amid all of this there's also been an uh, a, an uprise of an organization called the sect that is a anti at least anti police if not completely anti government uh, kind of internal terrorist organization. Um, I found a lot of, I mean, there, I, I think some of this is like, if I, if we'd watched this movie, I don't know, 10 years ago, I might have a completely different perspective on what it is. But yeah. it, it, when I was watching those opening sequences with the riots, I couldn't help but think about the stuff that happened in like in St. Louis a few years ago. Yeah. It feels like just, oddly prescient. Yeah. Yeah, it was very it was very real and you and you got this sense of like everything and and, and so it, when I was in college I went I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder. Uh we played I believe we beat Oklahoma one year uh in in a maybe the Big 12 championship back then. Is this uh, did, well, no, Cordell Stewart was before you got there, right? Like Yeah, okay. yeah I didn't see Cordell. Um so uh we won the game, and so we all went like a bunch of students gathered on the hill, which was basically like the the nearby food and like college hangout district that was just off of campus. So we all gather at this intersection on the hill, and we're all just jumping around and chanting "overrated, overrated," all these other things, and uh, and it was totally like just a gathering of people who were psyched about winning a football game, and then these two guys, one guy climbed up one of the lamp posts and started shaking it until it fell over. And then another guy picked up a newspaper bin and threw it in the street. And it took those two people, and suddenly it was fucking chaos. Like, I watched this riot break out. Like, people lit the paper on fire. Like, the phone pole came down and crushed somebody's car. Um, what felt real was that this movie really was that. It was like, everything, I mean, it, that riot scene in the beginning is two sides in unrest, and then one guy gets he gets the the satchel bomb from the the little girl who plays such an important role in the movie and heaves it in the into the police force crowd blowing up uh, several people and then everything breaks down um and it was just interesting how how well it captured the way, the, the tentativeness of that order like the i guess sort of the tentativeness of of uh organized disagreement yeah it's that but, it's that 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 tight wire, you know what I mean, or tight rope. What is that? Tight wire. Um, yeah, wire. That all all it takes is just like a gentle nudge, like uh, just a breeze to come in in the wrong way, and that's it. Oh like, yeah, it just knocks everything down. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So basically, there you have this you have this situation happening. Um, that that I mean, again, like I. I mean, I always say this, but man, the animation in this was really beautiful. This yeah. was this was the most cinematic the animation has been in general. Yeah, and I know I kind of like sideways complained about how some of the stuff we watch is too realistic looking, but this is so like note perfect that like it 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 worked really well. It's like very muted and uh, it gives you that kind of oh that the the dark side of the 1950s look it's got almost like a um like a batman the animated series like you know how they did it on black yeah. paper yeah there's like a brooding darkness to the whole yeah. thing yeah like even when it's daytime it's never really daytime you know like it's just it, the feeling that nothing will ever be good is pervasive throughout the whole movie yeah and i think i mean uh, 
it, it was really an effective choice, too, because our main character is, is I, as you alluded to earlier, like suffering from pretty severe PTSD. Um, and the whole tone is this tone of like death and suffering just sort of hover low over this whole movie. It's like the, the whole thing is really a meditation on loss of humanity through a number of avenues. And and it and it works really well. I mean, the the the, uh, the main character and the uh, his, his kind of love interest end yeah, up his last tether to humanity. Um, right. We talk they, about this uh, sometimes. Uh, kind of like, is this the fallout or the kind of like psychological aftershock from the war? But this is, I think, the first movie where it feels like they deal with that directly. Yeah, yeah, where they're not, yeah, it's not, uh, it isn't tucked into anything. It's just like, hey, look, these events permanently altered our society. Whether whether we confront that head on or not, they did. It's done. We we can either, I mean, this this movie is basically about will you be, will you be a human or will you become a beast? And there are clearly drawn lines on either side about who wants what and why. And not all those reasons are, are you know, loving hippy-dippy ones either. They're like, uh, it's very complicated. And I, and I love that about this because it's such a nuanced story. Yeah, and it's not even, like, I, even with the, who are, I guess, the nominal villains of the piece, you don't feel like they're doing it for, like, actual just evil kind of mustache-twirling purposes, but, like, just the to keep some kind of order, to keep some kind of status quo after everything that's happened and the lengths they'll go, even if that means sacrificing themselves and a few other people, but to kind of like the greater good. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's what, that's what I loved so much because it did, it spoke, it was like a, a spy drama from the cold war, from like the early cold war era, because it, it was basically about, uh, there weren't nobody's arch, like the there's a there's a board of shadowy figures in this movie that appears three or four times and does not like is never at one point like any of the villains we've seen in any of these previous anime movies like there is no guy in a hotel like cackling about his his drug money he's going to get uh no and that makes it even know. more uncomfortable just sitting through kind of like the mundaneity of these meetings like especially yeah. how long they are well, because they they feel really accurate because you yeah. sit through you sit through like a five minute scene where they're talking in no uncertain terms they're talking about killing people, just murdering groups of people for their beliefs, but they're also doing it in this it's business it's it's these are the minutia of governance. Well, even the sort of, uh, yeah the I guess the nominal love interest says you know when she. Fuse, who, well, without, do you want to just get into the a little bit more of like the nuts and bolts plot, or you just want to kind of talk around it because it doesn't uh, matter to me either way. Uh, I mean, we can, yeah, we okay, we can lay it out a little bit more. Okay, so uh, the the riot scene that we were describing earlier happens. Uh, we are following uh, mainly a little girl uh, or a young woman in a red jacket carrying a, a a handbag. She sneaks away from the from the uh, the confrontation through some alleys and uh, crosses paths with someone. And there's a very cool like cloak and dagger. The pat, the bag is passed from him to her. They trade stuff. Uh, and then she uh, goes into the sewers and we also cut back to uh, basically there's the group of the, uh, the national security or the federal security force, the, the Kerberos, the super elite guys that kind of look like a mix between fallout and a stormtrooper. Uh, in their in their armor set, um, they are down there plotting through. Uh, our main character, whose name is uh, Kazuki Fuse, who we only see at this point wearing the armor with KF on the uh, on the breastplate, he uh, catches up with this girl. Um, he stands there. A couple of his uh, compatriots on the security force tell him to shoot her. Uh, she's holding the the bag up, which is a bag bomb, um, and he can't shoot her. 
He's just looking her in the eyes. He can't do it. And so she blows herself up. And he is, one of his buddies, like, dives on him, pulls him back. Uh, he's fortunately unharmed, uh, but he watched a, a young woman explode. Um, and that's pretty much the thing that kicks off the entire movie, because we have, uh, uh, Fuse then is um, basically, uh, I don't know, he's, he's on, like, desk duty, uh, being psych-evaluated, because they want to understand what, what happened. And uh, this leads him down a path of uh, trying to decide whether he wants to continue being a, a highly trained killing machine or uh, how to deal with the grief that he's suffering um, from this death, which leads him actually to go to the, the crypt where the girl is buried, where he meets uh, a young woman named Kay, who uh, claims to be her sister. Right, and they look almost exactly alike. Yeah. Yeah, even down to wearing a a, a red coat, uh, which was very very interesting. And it, you know, I what I thought was beautiful about that is it the film works in that I didn't know when I was watching it whether he was sort of hallucinating that they looked that much alike, or whether he was actually seeing somebody. And so it was it was interesting because it was like for a while it could have been. Um, she could have just been like a psychological manifestation for him as right. far as I cared. There, um, there was a point in the movie, uh, where there's kind of an extended dream sequence where I was like, did he die in the explosion? Right. Is it like a Jacob's ladder thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of this. I mean, I, I, this one of the many really remarkable things about this film is that it, it does that effectively. There are times when you don't know what's going on and it's not in the disorienting kind of way that we've had in some of the other movies that haven't been good. Right. It's sort of like we don't know what's going on in a way that makes complete sense psychologically. Like, oh, he he could be dead. He could be, you know, uh, the, the, the actual dream sequence when he's uh, running with the wolf pack. That's what I was talking about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which... You know, I mean, it, it it is. It's really, it's all just so well done. Um, so yeah, he's you know he's basically an outcast among his his colleagues, and then he meets up with this old friend of his who works with the uh, with the cap uh, not the capital. Does he work with the capital police? Yeah, he works for like the the kind of the PR arm of the capital oh. police yeah and so this old friend and him meet as is the motif of the film at a museum in in a in front of a diorama of wolves yeah uh, so you got to kind of think about like an older museum because i don't know that all newer museums have these but well, i have a very distinct sense of what this would be like yeah it was at least you know when i was young the natural history museum the smithsonian museum was like this yeah yeah. So they meet in front of this diorama of wolves, and the friend is basically like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm not I'm just here because I'm your friend, and uh, you know, you're kind of an outcast, and uh, here's the inside scoop on what everybody thinks about your psychology." And then, you know, just trying to kind of talk him down, and then explain that the girl had this long record of of working with terrorist organizations and stuff, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, this is another uh, anime where the villain is, like, a vague terrorist. Well, this one isn't, like, they aren't so vague or uh, explicit anti-government terrorists, but, like, there's some kind of, like, really kind of underlying current of fear of terrorism, domestic terrorism, yeah. in all of these movies. Yeah, well, I, and I think I think the theme we've got so far is the fear of. It is just the fear of of the death that comes from within, like Fist of the North Star is kind of about, you know, society breaking down and folding in on itself, and uh, now I'm trying to think of other movies we watched. Well, but, Dead Leaves is like kind of a fear of internal rebellion and shaking off kind of the status quo. 
Yeah, and also the fear of uh, of in, internal oppression too, right? right. That these systems are so tenuous and so ready to be abused. Um, what? So the thing is with this, with with this, with with Jim Rowe, I I liked like I mean I I guess we didn't have enough real evidence of of what these what the sect actually did, but I I felt a lot of kinship to them. And maybe that's just because of the sort of, uh, fascist bent of, of society or the fascist worry that, that is prominent right now in this country. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the, the special unit especially is made to evoke fascism. I mean, that helmet choice is a very yeah. specific. Look, that is <laughs> also like, like, uh, you, have you, you've seen the Mitchell and Webb look, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you the sketch where they're the Nazis and they're like, maybe we're the baddies. <laughs> um, and like, not that it's not like somewhat pervasive in all these movies, but there's a lot of German in this movie, which I think is probably like shorthand for fascism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it's got to be. I mean, it's the it's the uh, residual ties to the Axis. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what this movie actually made me think of a lot was the Cowboy Bebop movie, and Vincent. It- or yeah, it was Vincent and his backstory about how it was like not there. Like this feels like it could have been that. Like, like this guy. This could be a prequel to that Vincent story. Oh yeah. Oh man, yeah. He could. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kazuki could be Vincent. Right. Because in time, like, has no qualms. It seems like about what he's doing. It's just he's confused as to why he didn't execute. When he was supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, really, like, the only... Because, uh, okay, because Kazuki Fuse is basically like Jason Bourne throughout this movie. Yeah. I mean, he's he's capable of doing anything. He, uh, <clears throat> later in the film... Well, okay. Let's... Where, where were we plot-wise? Um, we're pretty much through it. Uh, okay. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of kind of, without getting into too many spoilers or really, like, just rehashing the entire movie, there's a lot of kind of, like, clandestine shit, war room stuff going on in the back, and people being moved around into place by uh, different factions of the government. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we we, we probably shouldn't give away the plot, because the the moving of the chess pieces is the most interesting thing here. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, but yeah, basically we watch... We watch uh, Kazuki ends up uh, working with and and falling in love with the the woman who is the sister of the girl who blew herself up. Um, and he does he goes uh, to great lengths to protect her over and over and over again, um, while all of these other government organizations are are kind of working in concert, both with him and against him. Um, and yeah, and and I don't know. It's 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 all of that woven with little Red Riding Hood story, and but like really the it turns out like even though he's presented as the wolf part, that he's really kind of the Red Riding Hood part. Like he's like the vulnerable child. Well, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't seem to he doesn't have the tools to deal with his emotional aspect right yeah and I don't he's know emotionally a kid a commentary on sending young men to fight and like what that turns them into but like he's he's like probably one of the more interesting if not the most interesting protagonist we've had because like he doesn't seem to feel or want much if anything yeah he's kind of like k from blade runner 2049 yeah. yeah like we're following him he's efficient He's likable in a way that's hard to pin, um, and he's he's along for this ride. Yeah, basically, he's just being shuttled back and forth between whomever is in charge at the moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know, it's hard to talk about the entirety of the movie without like really getting into what happens later on all right let's just let's spoiler alert right now we're gonna start talking about what happens later on yeah so if you want to watch this first it's available on 
Amazon Prime. And um, Crackle, among other things. Yeah, just watch it on Prime, though. Yeah, just watch it on Prime, for sure. <laughs> so we're going to talk spoilers in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Okay. All right. So it turns out that the, uh, the Capitol Police and the security force have a real big beef with each other. And so the uh, Capitol Police is going to set up uh, Kazuki Fuse to take down the federal security special group, the Kerberos group, the Wolf, the Wolf Brigade, effectively. Yeah. So they are going to do a setup move by getting him to fall in love with this woman who is also a terrorist to prove that their ranks have been broken and that they can't be trusted with the national security. Right, because it's already public knowledge at this point that he allowed that bomb to go off. Right. So now they're just going to take it a step further, say, hey, look, he's in love with the terrorists too, and this whole program is screwed. Um, uh, parallel to that, the uh, his sergeant in the Kerberos program, who earlier in the film, uh, during like a training montage... I thought he was talking, he, he kept talking about men turning into beasts, but I thought he was talking about that being the conscience, right? Right. Uh, turns out, no, he is not the conscience. He is part of, there. there is a subset within the Wolf Brigade who knows that this is going on, yeah. and they're setting up a double cross or even triple cross at this point, which involves uh, kidnapping the girl that is a plant, that they that everybody like she's been a plant the whole time, and she's not even the sister of the girl who blew up. She's just someone who looks remarkably like her and has a similar background. And has a similar background, um, and so they're going to double cross the double cross, which really like uh, results in just a, a brutal bloodbath in the sewer. Which I I love the fact that they went right back to the place where the movie started. Yeah. To end the movie. Um, well, so he, like, discovers and loses his humanity in the same place over the course of, like, six weeks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Um, I love all the, how like, how visceral all the gunshots are. Like, it's gross in the way it should be for the story that they're telling. It's not like, yeah. like a, you know, B-movie gross, but it's, like, very, like, oh, my, this is what happens when people get hit with a heavy caliber weapon over and over again. Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's all the the toll booth scene from Godfather. Yeah, like, it's not fun. No, it's yeah, it's not hyper stylized either. It's like no, no, the like he uh, so uh, previously, uh, Fuzuke has been falling in love with with the sister slash uh, secret uh, honeypot. Basically, yeah. is what K is. Um, they have a couple of scenes where they go to this same kind of balcony park overlooking Tokyo to look out over the city. Uh, they have touching conversations both times and they basically like, uh, the, the last time before the, before the, the climax of the movie happens, which, uh, I mean, this movie was great because there was no unsettling or unnecessary nudity either. It was, it was all very tender and like, yeah. It worked. Um, they uh, they have a conversation briefly about just running away from all of it together, and then decide all too quickly that that's not possible. No, the the whole movie is like just the inevitable march towards death. Like, yeah, there's a lot of lip service paid to how we could avoid it, but it's just like everybody is committed to the fact that they won't be around very long. Right, yeah, yeah, which there that's got to be like a post-war fatalism, right? Yeah, Everything has been so bad, why would I think that I'm going to have a future? Right. Um, they, uh, yeah, so they, they, they hold hands and they kiss, and the kiss is kind of awkward and brief, um, uh, but it says a lot because it's the only, like, human physical contact in the entire movie that isn't violence. Yeah. Everybody is really held, like... Everybody is blocked in arm's length in this entire in this entire movie. Uh, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of just like awkwardness. Yeah, like, yeah. Everything is very like just cold and kind of like you said, just out of reach. 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very much it's accentuating this distance. Like the movie opens on the distance between a group of protesters and a group of police with riot shields. And the movie is never like never brings people closer together. Like it's the distance between uh Fuse and the girl who blows herself up and it's the distance between Fuse and his uh friend slash uh head double crosser or at least the middle manager of double crossing. Oh yeah, the guy, uh, he's the the uh, the captain Krennic. He's the guy that thinks he's in charge, but really is like so far down the food chain. Yeah, be shocked to find out. Which the 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 ending of the movie when he realizes that, like that moment when he realizes, oh no no we're fucked. Yeah. was was really like it it was a, it was very effective. It was emotionally powerful. It was super effective because you you get that this guy who the voice actor has has great charisma doing doing that guy's lines. He's probably the most uh, I don't know like vulnerable character among anybody other than other than K other than the girl. Well, he's the only one that seems to have any like outward emotion. Yeah, uh, like yeah, he's, yeah. The only, he's the only voice actor that like uses any kind of real inflection in his vocals. But right. I, I don't know. Is that supposed to be a put on too? Like, is that just to get him closer to Fuse or no? But then at the end, like obviously, as it all unravels, I I really think he he thought like he really thought he was doing the right thing, and he was sort of I think he was as played he was as much the Little Red Riding Hood as she was and as Fuse was. Right. I mean, it's really interesting because this movie sets up everybody to be the hero, and everybody ends up being either the wolf or meat, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, everybody's like, just a part of the machine. Yeah, yeah, which is wow. Um, so yeah, so we 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 find out that you know this this triple cross happens. Fuse puts on the wolf brigade armor and just goes through and slaughters a bunch of Capitol police guys. Including the uh, the guy that we were just talking about, um, and then they they he finds out from the sergeant that like the plan was hey the only way that we can do this the only way that we can keep our pack going because it's become a very the whole thing for the sergeant is now we're all beasts there's no going back and we have to stick together yeah there's there there's a kind of like interesting animal husbandry discussion at this point in the movie. I mean, like, it's it's obviously a metaphor, like a very heavy metaphor. Right. But it works yeah, out well I, about, yeah, about having, like, if you don't pass on the dominant traits, then the species will die. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was that, that kind of post-eugenics thing. Right. Um, and, and really lovely line from, from a couple of really, really great lines. Uh, one was, uh, you know, we're not men disguised as wolves. We're wolves disguised as men. Right. Which is one thing that I thought was really powerful. And then the other one uh, I liked was, only in the tales that humans tell do the hunters kill the wolves in the end. Which yeah. was very interesting to think about that. Because it is this this idea that, well, the, the beast is the strongest thing, no matter what. Yeah, like humanity is viewed as like a weakness, if not an illness by this, uh, the intelligence bureau chief. Yeah. The name escapes me, but the guy who's like, in theory, the training sergeant, but he's just embedded himself in there to work his Manchurian candidate plot. Yeah, yeah, because he is, he is the, the secret villain who is not, again, like, not at all arch. Very, <laughs> it was very effective because I didn't expect him to be the bad guy at the end. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so uh, he slaughters all the suits and... The uh, continuing theme of why didn't you shoot keeps coming up, and we don't really ever get a, a clear answer because we don't need one. No. Um, All and, we know is eventually he does. Yeah, and he does, and when he does, it is it is ferocious. Um, well, it's, and so it's, they, and I think it's a good job they did it purposefully, like, giving the red eyes, like, I, they're supposed to function as some kind of infrared, but, like, it immediately deletes any kind of humanity. He becomes a machine. Yeah. As soon as this mask gets put on. Well, it's even the, yeah, it's even the posture and everything, too. Yeah. Like, he becomes so square and stiff, and he's holding this, like, chain gun thing that, you know, he just, he looks mechanized, for sure. He's, he's, like, it's like, uh, 
Brotherhood of Steel armor or something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it, it's, I don't know if it's just that we're meant to believe that this is destined to happen, like he has to fulfill this purpose, because there are a couple opportunities where people have chances to hit him with rockets, and either something ricochets or it misses him. Like, it's a very purposeful, like, he could have been destroyed, but he wasn't, and he just keeps plowing forward. Yeah. So, like, it was, it almost felt like one of those things, like, it was, like, it had to happen. Like, there was nothing that was going to stop him from getting to his ultimate end. Yeah, that's, I didn't think about that, but I think that that's a good point, because other than the, you know, he's, he's pretty bulletproof, at least to, like, small caliber stuff. Right. But, yeah, every, nothing, I mean, the fact that he survives an explosion directly in front of him in the first place. Yeah. He, it is, it, it, it is kind of a story of destiny and his destiny is to stop being a person. Right. Because you remember when they're doing the training exercise and they're all getting shot with the rubber bullets through the same armor and they're all hurt. And it's like, I couldn't sleep for a week. And he's just totally stone faced after he's been shot with however many of these bullets that he got shot with. Oh yeah. Yeah. God, I didn't think about that. He, yeah. So it's just, uh, yeah. So he's become just a, a literal killing machine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so they leave the sewer. The sergeant guy basically says, hey, uh, the only way that the pack can remain safe is if they think that we have the girl, but the girl can't be alive. Because if she is, she could escape, or she could tell somebody, and she's right. a liability. And Kazuke has a moment where he seems to question whether or not it's the right thing to do to kill this girl just because. Yeah, because he's like, what should I? He's like, you want me to tell you what you should do? And then he just kind of leaves him to his own devices. And then she starts reciting the end of Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, which uh, ties into, because she's given him a copy of the book at some point. So they're, they both voice over parts of it throughout the movie. With him, it, his it voice works. always doing the wolf's part. Oh, interesting. I didn't notice that. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. So she's reciting the end with you know what big eyes you have, what big teeth you have, um, and then he shoots her in the head. Yeah, and, and then pans to another one of the intelligence guys, like uncocking his gun, like just letting the audience know that nobody was going to escape this no matter what. It was totally inevitable. Yeah, so even if he yeah. were to not finish it, he would. The other guy would have shot both of them. Yeah, there, there, there was going to yeah. This it was it was a final test to see are you a wolf or not, and he passed the test of being a wolf. And, and yeah, and, uh, yeah, and that's it. That's it. I mean, and it it ends abruptly there. I mean, the movie is about uh, not being able to hide from your past, and it's about uh, I don't know. It's about that deep conflict between humanity and and beast. And it was really good. <laughs> yeah. And it's still like the movie, I don't think, comes down on one side or another. No, I don't think it does either. I mean, it leaves us it leaves us with the beasts. Yeah. But, you know, we get... The thing is, is that I think they make a really valid case for how is it that the guys with the guns who do the killing are the beasts, but the men in the uniforms in the office who orchestrate all of the stuff aren't seen as the beasts when they're actually more beastly. Yeah. And there's a, some, there's something more sinister to the subtle beastness than there well, is to the, well, I don't know because like, I, I feel like there's something uniquely human about sending something else to fight for you. Um, you yeah. know, like wolves in a pack. I don't, I mean, and I'm not a fucking lupine biologist or whatever. <laughs> but they all go fight. They don't. There isn't one sitting back in like a den somewhere, moving the rest of them around. Yeah, yeah, so. that's a good point. Yeah, so it's it, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful movie. Like it's it's something that'll stick with you for a while. Yeah, I mean, like I, again, that like that mask, which is funny because I'm looking at this poster I have in my office, this Guardians of the Galaxy poster, and it's like the Peter Quill with the Star Lord. Thing all the way down. Oh yeah, and it's really similar. It's a very similar mask. <laughs> the 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 mask in this just is, has a little longer snout on it because yeah. it is almost wolf like from the profile. Um, and it's funny how like 
because you know who that character is, that look doesn't bother you. Right. It's not, it isn't scary because it's him. Yeah. I mean, I think it's intended to be sinister to anybody else. I would assume so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, this, you know, I, God, I watched this movie almost, almost two weeks ago at this point. Um, and. And it sat with you that, it's that much of it stuck with you, I, huh? I can still, yeah, I can still recall most of it because it really did, it really resonated with me. And it, it held my attention in a way that, like, is is difficult sometimes. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was especially every, a movie that's paced this way, too. Like, you know, with Dead Leaves, obviously, you can't look away from it. Yeah. Because it's just too kinetic. This is, like, a very methodical movie. Oh, I mean, and, and it's it's beautiful in its. In its uh, just it's pace because it's footsteps and it's doors opening and doors closing. And it's just, I don't know, like just, just to think about the way the sound was designed in this, especially, I mean, this is all about quiet and sneaking around until it's not. And it's all meditative until it's not. Well, I think it's important that you spend so much time with, um, Fuse just kind of doing nothing and staring in the middle of the distance because I think it lets you in on the fact that there's not really anything there. Right. Like he's he's probably actively searching for something to be there. Yeah. But he's not finding it. Mm-mm. Like he doesn't. Yeah. And that's and, and I, I man like that's the thing that's so interesting is he you know you really expect multiple times that he's going to have an emotional turn and it's yeah, he's really going to have the the equilibrium moment. Yeah, where he goes... Come across a puppy or a record or something, but, like, I mean, he's just, you know, just a cipher almost through the entire movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he just... I mean, he he really... I mean, the... And maybe the the ultimate climax of the film is that they're up there and he has the opportunity to run away with her. And he doesn't. And he basically says, like, no, there's no way. We can't do that. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, and that's the thing, is, like, the... The the denouement is the uh, is the the bloody murder. Yeah, but oh man, yeah, this was this was fantastic. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. No, I think it's hard to it's hard to really talk about something like this more than just like kind of like in broad thematic talk. And yeah, I, I think we covered it pretty well without actually like I, I strongly recommend you watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, this is a huge recommend from from both of us because yeah, it's uh, I you just have to you know go if you go in kind of expecting a a slower paced sixties uh, uh, era kind of spy narrative something that is it it is it's poetic it's poetic and it's uh, I don't know it's like it's almost like a symphony a symphony in a lot of ways too. Yeah, um, it's, it's timeless. Like, it came out in 98. It feels like it could have come out in 83. It could have came out last year, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, and I think a lot of, I mean, I think a lot of that's current events, but it's also just, it. the animation is so perfect. And even, like, the VO in this was probably some of the best that we've had. Yeah. Where nothing seemed clumsy or ill-translated. Uh, like, there's nothing... There's no, there's no campiness in this movie. There's no kind of, there's no anime uh, goofball tertiary character. There are zero jokes in this movie. Yeah, like it's there, not, there There aren't jokes and it works. Like it doesn't, it doesn't like collapse under the weight of its own seriousness or anything. It's, it's just good. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole movie is about being pressed down, right? So like having like lightning moments, uh, Light, lightening the mood moments, not actual moments of lightning. Um, Which I don't think we do there, a lot of. Was there any lightning in this? There one? was some rain. Okay, there was rain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that wouldn't serve the story that they're trying to tell because there's no like, there's no heroic climax, so there's no reason to lighten the mood for you to kind of like get on anybody's side because you're just you're kind of with him just as an observer and just being dragged along. As everybody moves the pieces around the board. Oh yeah, and you're, and I mean, and you're in a world where, amid all of this uh, subterfuge, there's also, you know, childs carrying bombs, children carrying bombs. Like that's, you know, 
to lighten it up would would be a, a, a disservice for sure. Right, because even when you know the discussion at, in one of the war rooms about the children carrying bombs, like yeah, that's just what they do. Right, it's a, it's a smart tactic. It's seen as like nothing, like you know, perverted or you know, disgusting. It's just like oh, I mean, that's just a thing that they do. Well, that's their it, move. And it was written, and it was written in a way that really felt true to stuff that we've kind of seen on on the news of late too. Which you know, they were they were just kind of saying, you know. Uh, that's how these terrorist organizations operate. They get women and children involved. They manipulate them, right? With in this all pronounced in this way that's it's, sickeningly it's, unaware of the fact that the rest of society manipulates people too, right? Like they just don't like the way that things are being manipulated. You know, well, yeah. I, I want to leave you with this question before uh-huh. we wrap it up. Okay. Um, when he goes the inciting incident with the the young girl terrorist he says why is he saying why is she doing it or why can't he shoot her because it's never elaborated on that he says why like that twice Mm. and knowing what you know later on like what do you think it is yeah you know later uh, knowing what i know later on i gotta i gotta go with i think he's asking why he can't pull the trigger right because yeah, I think I think he's he literally uh, is tripping on his humanity in a way that he's never experienced before, and he thinks that he should be better than this. Um, yeah, and that's I mean that's a dark that's a dark ending question. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to go ahead and do the waifus? I think we're we're gonna land on the same number, but yeah, I I I gave it a nine and a half. Oh. I really, I really like this. I thought, like, visually perfect, the sound is perfect, the story is is powerful and well executed and and consistent. Yeah, it was it was everything. It was everything that I would like in an animated movie. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a nine. Also, nice. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what would push it over. Um, like I can't pick out anything that's like missing or anything, but it just. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. There's something that just need, maybe I don't know. I, I don't I, know. I think I I think I took half a point off just because it could have been paced slightly faster. Yeah, maybe just that's it. just a little bit, but not in a way that, like you said, like not in a way that I can really put my finger on. I just know that, you know, man, if if this one scene cut just a little bit quicker, um, yeah, it's like. You know, when you say, like, you cut, like, six minutes off a movie, that doesn't seem like a lot of time, but if you just cut it in some of these scenes and just, like, just wrapped it up just a little bit tighter, yeah, I think you're right. I think that would kind of push it over the top. Yeah, I think that's really all it is, because it would be it would be that much more propulsive. Not that it isn't now, but it's yeah. very it's a very meditative kind of propulsion now, and I think you could keep the meditativeness without... Uh, while still kind of speeding it up just just a little bit. All right. All right, man. <laughs> well, let's uh, go ahead and wrap up. I got to take care of some dogs and then head out for football, and then I know you got a couple things you got to do, so. Yeah, man. What uh, Do we have any ideas about film for next week? No, did you? Um, I've got, what do I have? I got the, oh, yeah, no, the Paranoia Agent. What was the other thing? I mean, we could watch the live-action movie just for fun and then come back and talk about that because I think that's on Netflix. Oh, is it really? Yeah, you want to okay. do that? Yeah, let's – We yeah, okay. I like this. We'll do we'll do back-to-backs on the same thing. Okay. We'll check out the live-action. Cool. Right on. All right, okay. man. Well, hey, okay. have a great day. You too. And we'll do it again soon. Sounds good. All right. Love <laughs> you. Bye. Love you. Bye. I'm not a big on the
the brightness See the sword that caught us moving up and I see I like this Eternalize the lunar to the misery I show it when you're brought up You're caught up in a system that is going Right up and you're caught up in a system that is going No one else, no one takes that call 